Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 85, the Punchboarders talk about some recent plays, we get a mailbag question from Chad, and we review the new hotness of terraforming Mars Aries Expedition. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. I'm Richie. And this is Dan. Whoa, what? Oh, he's Let him back. out of the bag. The seat yeah. is still warm. I love the seat, <laughs> guys. Thanks for keeping the seat warm for me. You're yeah, buddy. You know, we try, we try. It's fun uh, sitting shoulder to shoulder like this, though. Ooh, I get oh. the shimmy feels. The shimmy feels. <laughs> we, that's the thing we used to do on my podcast. Oh, a oh, shimmy feel? Oh. We used to do the shimmies. The shimmies. <laughs> Next to each other yeah. like that? What? We, what? We, we recorded side by side. Shoulders. What podcast was that? Uh, we actually don't like to talk about oh, it. It's okay. a sore spot. Yeah, move on. Okay. <laughs> Got an All episode right. in the hopper. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Uh, All right. Uh-oh, Chad. Yeah. What are you about to do? Uh-oh. Uh, what is this? What, what are we? What oh am I looking at? Goodness. This is the secret sauce right here. This is Mountain Dew <laughs> Zero Frostbite, and we, I, we we actually got an extra five dollars on Patreon last month for for more Mountain Dew just wow. for me. Wow. Yeah, maybe maybe we could every time Chad <laughs> drinks a Mountain Dew. I, I think you should clarify that you are drinking the sugar free version. That's right. Just yeah. So on our you know. Slack, somebody posted that they're like, "I'm going to be like Chad," and then it's like 320 grams. Of yeah, sugar. we don't want to. Uh, we don't want to kill. We don't want to kill the, no. the punch bunch. Well, that's uh, one person asked me like, uh, you know, why? Because I, I I've lost some weight. Freak. Uh, you look lost, great. You thank look great. you so much. I've lost some weight recently, and somebody asked what my secret was, and I think. I mean, it could be uh, cancer from artificial sweeteners, maybe, <laughs> but, like, but uh, it's working for me. It's working for me, and apparently it's working for some of the punch punch. So, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, my new diet of uh, this intermediate fasting is not working very well for me so far, but maybe I shouldn't be eating the cookie dough ice cream during my eight hours that I can eat. Is that what? Yeah, I don't know. I actually started going back to the gym. Oh, I did. Yeah. I, wow. went, I, I have a 24-hour gym that I can go to, so I have no excuse. You know, you yeah. can't say, oh, I just missed it or anything like that. So right. I started going. Uh, but it's been horrible. Why? Wow. It's been, it's, I forgot how to do things. I've been sore for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's been horrible. Uh, I found out that when you go to a gym, it, like, makes your, I don't know how I can say this. It makes your body work faster. So things oh, are see. going things through are my body faster. Making their way out faster. Yeah. It was a photo finish to the bathroom. Let me just say that. Are you, that? But are you doing like protein shakes and stuff like that, though? Because that'll do it, too. Well, I was eating fiber. a cookie dough with Clef, so oh. it doesn't really balance that, out. That and those Olean potato chips. My, my, goal really is a net, oh, wow. my goal is like a net zero gain. So as long as I don't gain or lose weight, right. it's a win. Hey, there you right. go. There you he's, go. He, he's in the stall pumping and just like with his pants down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is a visual I yeah. never I don't want need that visual. to think of again. It's spot on, actually. It's spot on. Wow. So, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, Am I in like the? Uh, I'm in like the 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 decade club or something like that. Yeah. I, this is like my oh, tenth time. Yeah, like the most, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Like you've been. Yeah. Is this yeah. your fifth time? I. Uh, 
Let me check. I'll check my diary when I get, get home. Close. This is a big moment. He is. He is. He didn't wear his Mr. Roper robe today, but he is. That, yeah. that is very true. Yeah, man, you can go hang out with Justin Timberlake and Steve oh, Martin. And, gosh, wow. it's just it's a dream come true. Wow, honestly. I, I tell you. All right. Well, you're here to be our expert today. I got called in. Uh -huh. Yep. Right. My my wow. terraforming Mars alarm up on the wall. It was yeah. flashing. You know, we, we couldn't get Chad C. So we settled on you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good second. I'll take it. I'm a good second. Uh, but not yes. talking terraforming Mars, but talking board games. What have you been playing lately? Well, um, I have been on a kick and really it's been inspired by one of my friends, Brent. Um, mm, I've heard of him. Yeah. You have heard of him. He uh, he has a problem much like you and I do, but him more so. Yeah. Uh, this guy can't stop buying board games. Yeah. He's, and yeah. we are the benefactors of yeah, this. Absolutely. So he'll just come over to my house randomly and be like, hey, I have like nine new games I just bought. Do you want to learn one of them? And so he has been introducing me to some Albin VR games that are older, mm -hmm. but games that I had never played before. And one of those games is Town Center. Mm. Now, Clef, I know you got to play this once. Even Richie, I think you I played did. it once. I did. Have you ever played this, Chad? No, but I got to play today with Brent. I got to play Small City, so I'd, I'd be interested to hear how that uh, matches up with that, yeah, because I, that's another Alvin VR Alvin VR, he has, all, a lot of his games have that spatial aspect to it, and I feel like he had a little kick where he was making small box games with little wooden blocks, and this is one of those games, so... Um, I have some notes here. Let me pull this out here real quick. I want to make sure I do you guys right. Wow, that's a that's some heavy notes I there. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. No, I the biggest thing I want to talk about is how old this game was. It came out in 2014, so it's a fairly older game. Um, but like I said, it's a cube placement game, really abstract. Um, and everyone has their own little board in front of them. And uh, one of the amazing things is the blocks in this game are huge. I feel like they're like an inch big, like square blocks. Um, and you are placing these blocks onto your personal board and you're building a town. And so you have different colored blocks that mean different types of buildings. So you have green for residential or blue for commercial and uh, you have black for elevators and utilities to power all these things. And you're drafting these uh, from all the players. So you'll have them in a bag and you draft out a couple of them and uh, you snake draft which ones you want to take. So you'll actually stack them up and you'll take one and it'll go around. Everyone will take one and then it'll snake draft back. So there's a little bit of a strategy already in that aspect. But then you're placing them on your board. And there's some rules about where you can place things. You know, houses can't be adjacent to themselves and so on and so forth. But how it uses the spatial 3D aspect um, is typical Albin Viard. Uh, you are looking at things and you're building up. But then you're also building out left and right. And so, for example, you could have a building that is three high, but then it could start diverting to the right, like essentially on the roofs of other blocks. And so your mind has to kind of like almost like three dimensionally move around your board and see how these buildings connect and grow. And you're trying to obviously get an income so you can buy some victory points and do this. Um, it is an absolute blast to play. In fact, I just acquired a copy. I loved it so much. I just quickly did a BGG trade for it. Um, this is a game that has obviously not been on my radar until my friend Brent showed it to me, but I'm really digging these shorter abstract games, um, that really kind of, they're, they're total puzzles. And so it's not really, the theme really doesn't do anything for me. It's that puzzle, but it's also the short time that I've really been enjoying it. Um, there's also, of course, because Albin Viard is known for this, 
a tons of maps that he's put out. So the board that you use in the base game, which comes with it, is just a normal four by four grid. But he has these weird maps, like he has downtown Manhattan. He has one for the Eschen Spiel actual floor area of where the spiel hmm. is and all of them have different rules kind of like age of steam maps where there's slight tweaks to the rules um which obviously will just add more to the replayability of the game i've been really really enjoying it so have you you've played clinic yes yes that's another album vr game and again that is sort of like it tries to simulate a 3D aspect. Yes. You, you only get cardboard with that. But how how does that match up? Is it the same sort of spatial thinking, like building up, connecting out? Do the elevators do the same thing that those sort of like es escalators or whatever in clinic do? Uh, it's I would actually say it's less complicated than clinic. I would say this has a very approachable rule set. Um, I guess once you get your mind around it, for example, one of the things that's confusing is when the round is over, your residential or your green blocks, they will expand automatically if they're adjacent to offices. And thematically, you're thinking, okay, the red blocks represent where people work. And if there are more offices for people to work at, then more people will live there in these green residential blocks. So you actually get a green residential block for free, but you can place it adjacent to any of your other green blocks. So your mind has to kind of wrap around and say, okay, because one of the rules is you can't place a green block adjacent to another green block. It's just a rule you have to do unless it expands for free during that bonus I was just talking about. So you're kind of setting yourself up. You're trying to make sure that all your buildings have power. So you have to make sure those yellow blocks are touching things. The elevators basically dictate the height restriction that you can build things. So it's not quite as complex as clinic. Uh, but it certainly takes a game, you know, to really kind of gronk the whole rule set. In fact, I know when Clef played it, it was kind of a longer day. We had been doing a lot of stuff that day, but it was still, it was kind of a mind meld puzzle. Uh, yeah. Now, it probably didn't help that I slept through half of the teach and only Chad <laughs> can I do that with and still understand the game. I felt hurt. Oh. I really felt hurt. When the glasses came off and his head was his hand was on his forehead furrowed over i was like i lost well it. That, that happens it, a lot and i'll for me i'll I'm be the used first to used to seeing that yeah i'll be the first to say abstract games are not my i like my head just doesn't wrap around them as quickly as like a heavy strategy euro game you know that just as comes easy to me so right away i was like what why what am i doing you know type of thing i'm like can you give me some more Euro type of rules or whatever? And and it was just, you know, well, if this green is next to this and this does this, and I was just like, whoa. So I basically spent the first half of that game going, okay, where can I play this place this block? Because I was clueless. But I was getting it towards the end. You do. And uh, it's it's Albin Viard, so I feel like he actually put some work into this game. It's I definitely wouldn't say it's family friendly. Uh, the rule set is simple. But in terms of strategy, it there's, is a complex game. There's a lot of little rules up front that you have to download. Yes. So it definitely yeah. helps to have someone there that is very familiar with the game. I sure. would agree. I would agree. But uh, I've just been loving it. Uh, a lot of other games that kind of tweak that. You mentioned his other game that you got to play recently. And I'm just I'm digging on these abstract games. Well, Small City has a lot of those things in common. So Small City is like you've got your own player board, but now you're not building up. You don't have blocks, but you have 
different size cardboard chits that you're building out your city in, okay? And it has a lot of the same kind of rules, though. Like, here's your green residentials, but your green residentials can grow as long as they get these red cultural buildings next to them. And if the more cultural buildings that are next to them, the bigger that they can grow. Yep. And here's the commercial buildings. And the commercial buildings can only grow so big until they have enough residential buildings next to them because people you know, want to go shopping only if they're, you know, if there's enough. And so they can get so big and, and then your industry. And here's what, here's what Clef would like about small city. Your industries come out and they, they can produce goods for you. You need goods to build cultural buildings specifically. Oh, so we get more Euro. Either. Yes. All yeah. Right. Here you go. And the, and the, the, the other buildings, most of the other buildings just take money to build, but these cultural buildings, the red ones take, uh, industry resources, which are, which are little factories you put out can build. Now, the thing to remember is for every person, because you have to have just like it, it gave me a vibe of antiquity because you have to have people to man these spots in your city uh, to do the certain things like turn in uh, goods for money or uh, earn money or um, work a clinic to, to lessen pollution. Because when you get your industries going and you get a lot of people in there, you increase pollution in your city and you have a percentage uh, on your board where you just keep track of the pollution and if you have more than 10 percent, and you have the most of any player at the table you have to take one of your little meeples and make a grave for it and lay it down in the cemetery oh wow. that's nice that's, that's mm. yeah so you have death all yeah. around you and, it, and it basically <laughs> it basically starts plugging up your your thing but what's really interesting is you can have tourists so i can send a meeple over to cleft city and i can make it work in the factory so that i'm creating pollution and I've got another person over there in Clef. Wow. But the downside is if I pollute Clef City and Clef has the most, he could take my tourist and bury it in his on his board. So Wow. <laughs> How do you yeah. feel about that, Clef? <laughs> I feel pretty good about it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but now he's taking up a spot on his own right. board for a grave, you know? Wow. And all the people have to be buried together. You can't just, you know, pop a person oh. over here and a person over here. And I feel hmm. like Albin VR, he got inspired about building a city. And then he's like, I got like so many games that I need to just right, make yeah. all these different <laughs> games. And he did it in like a span of like three or four years. Well, but it's smart too, because here's the deal. And uh, Brent shellacked me at this game because you have these end card goals, right? Okay. Um, these end game goals that you're choosing from. And we basically just played this game, reading the real, the rule book and, and starting to play. So we kind of picked end game conditions without really knowing how everything finished. And mine had to be 22 meeples on my player board, either dead or alive in my city. And so I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. But then we got to end game conditions and you have to subtract your pollution from your oh. end game score. Whoops. So I ended up with seven points. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you stayed positive. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But the, see, that's the thing. My point is Albin Viard, you'll see with this tramways that that hopefully we'll get to play sometime. But Albin Viard likes to make tension and stress you out yeah. and, and beat you down a little bit with this pollution and stuff. But if you're building your own stuff, it makes it a little bit more okay because you have something you've done mm. at the end of your game. You know, I think that's part of the positive of of a city building game is look at what I've done. Yeah, I, I got my butt handed to me, but you know, I have this nice grave site <laughs> in my city. <laughs> so, uh, the other really cool thing, real quick, is the action selection mechanism that happens every round. There are like mm, seven or eight cards that have 
little things on them. You shuffle them up each round and then place them out in a circle. And whoever's first player sets their disc down, choosing one of those actions like, okay, this will make cultural buildings a one resource cheaper, or this will make other buildings $1 cheaper, or this will wow. let, let me pick from this track. And then you select that. And then whoever is next can go next to your action for free or pay a dollar to move. And the further you move away from that person, the more it costs. Mm. I like that. Yeah, it's very interesting, and it, and that's different every round. Hmm. Well, anyway, so. uh, thanks for stealing my recent place, well. Chad. That was town center. Uh, I highly recommend everyone try it out. This, I don't know what game he was talking this about. Is, <laughs> this is how Chad gets to talk about, like, three games yeah, during our recent plays. Just slip just them in there. Put the in, down. Right? I thought you were throwing it to me. <laughs> As he swigs another drink. All right. All right. Well, Richie, what have you been playing? Uh, Jessica's family was in town this past weekend, and I played a lot of games. Uh, nothing new. Nothing new at all, actually. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You play Chad, Maria, Chad, though. Yeah, yeah, Chad, do you want I to take over Maria. for this one, too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> Stand back. Uh, I did play Maria. I don't necessarily... I could, Dan was there. You can kind of assist I on love this, it. Let's, let me hear it. Yeah, because I'll be honest with you. It's already kind of gone a little bit. Yeah. A, a yeah. little bit. I mean, you can at least talk about the, the basics of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Maria, is it's a three-player only game. And uh, this is just like Friedrich. I believe, and mm -hmm. Friedrich, the only difference is that, that can play four players. Uh, and uh, I played this with Dan and Brent. And the the cool thing for me in this game was, one, you had this gigantic board, and there's essentially two sections of the board. And most of the factions, and this is a, a war game, uh, most of the factions are stuck to one side of the board, but there are two factions that can go between the two. But the primary way to win is to get out your, you have a little pool of victory points that you will be putting out on the board. You mainly do that through conquering these different fortresses. There's other ways to get them out, uh, and there's other ways that the game could potentially end and you right. could win. But uh, that's kind of the main way that you're going to do it. And the, the thing that I really like about this game is that the board is just, there's a bunch of different quadrants on this board, and they all are related to... Uh, different suits and when you start a battle with someone the cards that you can play because you have these tactical cards that you'll use to fight your different battles and also uh, you have these different generals that are on the board and at the beginning of the game you have to assign these generals troops so you literally have a piece of paper and you have your different generals that are numbered and you have to put how many uh, troops that you have assigned to that and no one else knows that now, obviously they'll find it out as you get into the different battles and stuff like that uh, but the the battle resolution uh, in this game, the way that it works is essentially once two generals are fighting, you'll reveal how many troops you have and then whoever is down. So let's say Dan had uh, five troops and I only had three. Uh, so I'm down two and now I can start to play tactics cards, but it's based on where my general is. So that may be different from where Dan is. Uh, and of course, at the very beginning of this game, Okay, I, okay, watch what you're about to say here. Because if you're going to throw me under the bus No, no, no. Here. <laughs> no. I wasn't going to talk about you cheating. Oh, I, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, because I also cheated. Uh. But at the very beginning, I just wanted to see a battle. Mm -hmm. I just was, let's sure. just see how this yeah. works. It's and I, I stupidly moved myself into a quadrant that took diamonds. And I didn't have any diamonds. And I started that battle with Dan. <laughs> and he... Spoiler alert, I had diamonds. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so... I lost like the equivalent of like 30,000 troops or something like that. Holy cow. It was bad. Wow. It was very bad. 
your men must have hated you. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Let's but go you, over here and get our butts kicked. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> but if I would have done that right, I would have stayed where I was and we, we could have started a battle there. But uh, basically, you'll play a card. And if you are still behind, so like think like Patchwork or any of those games like that, if you're still behind, you get to play another card. Okay. Uh, and you can, you're trying to obviously get it pushed to their side to where you can win. Uh, but yeah, it, there's a lot going on in the game, but I'm going to say overall, it's fairly straightforward. Once you learn the rules, there's a political phase that on paper seems tough, but when you actually play it out, yeah. it's not that hard. I think one of the coolest things, like you mentioned, those tactical cards you use, they're your primary resource. And so you're using them in two different phases. Like Richie said, you use them in the first half for the political phase and you're using these to win events that you can then use in your favor. So then you're kind of thinking, oh, do I, do I want to waste these cards in the political phase? Because I might need them for when I go to battle. And you really have to kind of balance how you're going to use those. Uh, additionally, you know, sometimes the events are not even in your favor. They may be in your opponent's favor, but you want to win them just so that you can allow those events to not even happen. And then, of course, as he talked about, the board is just it's, it's a beautiful board. But the way that it's set up is, you know, it'll just it'll be in quadrants, but it'll be like spades, hearts, diamonds, clubs. And so you're strategically moving your generals so that you're right on the edge of the diamonds. But your general is within range of somebody else who happens to be in clubs. And you don't know if they have lots of club cards or you don't so it's just really kind of hidden and you can always retreat from a battle you don't have to waste your cards it's it's a very very good game i i actually loved my play yeah i really enjoyed it i'm i'm excited to to continue to play it now I, I know that this is technically i mean this is supposed to be the better game between this and friedrich mm -hmm. but i'm still looking at picking that up just because a lot of times when i play it's at four players i i might be picking that up just to just to give it a shot so yeah, I, I recommend it. It's a it's a good war. I don't even want to say a war game. It's a game that is about war, but I feel like it's not a war game. If that makes sense, it's it doesn't feel like a war game. It sounds like some some resource management, some bluffing, some. It's you definitely know. unique. Yeah, yeah. As far especially as like Richie talked about, there's a couple. There's like I think there's one faction that really is trying to work with two different people at the same time. So he could be an ally on one side of the board but then he is against the same person on the other side of the board. Mm -hmm. And that's built into the main mechanisms of the game. So that person has to be able to, you know, wheel and deal and really maybe backstab a little bit or just, you know, politic a little bit and figure out how to manipulate the board in their advantage, which to me doesn't make it feel like a war game. It feels like uh, uh, some sort of Euro game where you have to convince people to do what you want to do. Definitely. Uh, that's Maria, and that's designed by Richard Savell. Hmm. Clef, I, I want to play that. I'm, yeah, I think I, you would really like it, Clef. Yeah, I'm interested in playing that one. I, I don't remember what I had to get stuck with playing that night, but it wasn't Maria. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clef, what have you been playing lately? Well, I just got in about a week ago, got my copy from Kickstarter from Spielworks Games from uh, Jason Dinger, Crescent City Cargo. Nice. Uh, his second game in the Cajun trilogy, uh, of course, uh, played his first one, the Captains of the Gulf, which uh, was had some similarities to Lagranha with the mm -hmm. multi-use cards. It was a really uh, cool game, and uh, about 
God, it feels like forever ago now. It's probably, well, almost been two years ago. Uh, got to actually do a, a play a prototype game with uh, Jason and Ryan Courtney and, and Uli. And it was really cool to be able to like see a prototype game that was, you know, was pretty close to being ready at the time. And uh, I also remember partly sleeping through the rules that day at Gen Con. So I <laughs> didn't do so well, but um, I was excited to get it. And it came, like I said, came in the mail here just recently. Um, this game is, it's basically you just select an action on your turn and it's just, it's a, it's a game where everybody quickly selects their actions and you're in these actions, you're either going to be picking up goods to put on your trucks, or you're going to be delivering goods to these, uh, either a ship or a shipping container or to trains. And you're also going to be like trying to upgrade your trucks or get more trucks. And then you also have trying to get more workers that because the, one of the unique things about this game is anytime you like uh, get a new truck, you have to make a truck driver. And that guy, he's a truck driver for the rest of his life. So you no longer have that meeple anymore. He's that's what he's going to do for the rest of the game. Or if you send somebody to deliver cargo to a ship, they're on that ship and that's it. They're done. You don't ever get that person back. So you're always constantly trying to get new people. But the main mechanism in it that's very interesting is you have what's a, a morale track, okay? And everything almost that you do takes morale to be able to do it. So if you want to pick up a good, it costs you a morale. If you want to deliver a good, it costs you a morale. If you want to you know, get a new truck, it costs you morale. These, these things all cost you morale to be able to do that. So it's a game where you're trying to kind of uh, best utilize that so that you're not wasting any of it. And then there's an action which literally is just you rest and then that resets your morale. And there's these also these administrative tracks so you can start to bump up your morale. So it starts off like at three to start the game off with. You can start to move it up to four or five or, you know, all the way up to six. And then you'll just move that down. And like I said, when it's when you're down at either one or zero, you're just re, you know, you take an action and says, I'll reset my my morale track. Which you think, wow, that's kind of a, a boring action, or it's just kind of there. But all the actions are so quick, it doesn't feel like, uh, oh, my God, I just wasted a turn. Because half the time it's like you go, hey, I rested. The other person looks at you go, oh, I'm resting. The other person, oh, I rested. And it's all of a sudden it's right back to you. So it's like, oh, okay, no big deal type of thing. So um, I'm going to say right off the bat, I really like this game. Um, I'm, I'm going to say right, I think I like it better than Captains of the Gulf. I like the puzzle in this game a lot. I uh, like the fact that... Uh, you've really got to um, optimize your puzzle in this game to be able to do well. Because you're always, you know, you've got to keep your morale. you got to keep it moving. You want to keep having to get new workers because you're going to keep losing them to do these things. You want to make sure that you're picking up the right goods so that you can go down and ship these. You know, you got to have the right trucks. And trucks can only have, like to start with, they can either either have building materials or food on them. You can't have a mixture in your truck. But if you get upgraded trucks, then you got like an extra storage that you could carry one of the other goods. So really, really cool puzzle in it. Now, I will say this, player interaction-wise, you know, I like games that have player interaction. This one is not maybe like a normal player interaction game. It's more of a, you know, a Euro-y type of puzzle. But there is one unique thing that I really like about the game where you're moving in the warehouse. There's like I think there's eight different warehouse spots on the on this warehouse 
and you have to move this warehouse manager around. And when you move him, wherever he stops, you basically can take goods from one of the two adjacent warehouses. Okay. And there's only so many goods. So there may be like, uh, you know, like a coffee is one of the goods in the game. There may only be four coffee in the game. So your opponent might have a couple of them and you really need coffee and they're all the way on the other side kind of of where you're moving this guy. And you always get to move them, or you excuse me, you have to move them one spot, and then you may move them one additional spot. And I think that that's the most interesting part of the interaction is you can actually look and see, oh, well, I don't want to move him right now because if I do, then you know Chad could move him up and get that other stuff that I know he wants. So maybe I'm going to go do another action to try to force him into doing a bad action type of thing or same with shipping. Maybe the guy's on one side and you really need to ship, you know, coffee and it's on kind of the other side and just think of kind of as a rondelle, you know, and you're moving this guy around the, you can maybe say, well, I'm not going to move the guy. I'm going to do something else. Once again, maybe forcing Chad into a bad, well, I got to move the shipping guy, even since it's not going to be the most optimal thing. Okay. Now you get these at the beginning of the game, you kind of draft these, uh, uh, warehouses. No, no, I'm sorry. They're called uh, office buildings. That's what they're called is office buildings. And uh, the office buildings will give you like a specific, either the shipping or the warehouse will allow you to move the guy either one backwards or he'll allow you to move the guy another one or two spots for free. And I'll honestly say, you know, I, I got... I guess this is the podcast about talking about playing games with Brent, but we, Brent and I were playing in we got done and we were talking about how the fact is it would be more interesting almost not to have those office buildings in there because that was kind of the most interesting part of the game. And with that, it was almost like you could get to almost every space, but one on the, on the warehouse track or on the shipping track. And so it didn't make it quite as, you know, that, uh, you know, kind of screw you over type of thing because they could, they could still get there. And I almost think maybe next time I play it, I may try not playing with those office buildings because I would just like to see how that kind of plays. And Jason, not that I'm trying to, you know, redesign your game or anything, but just, I just wonder if that might make it a little bit more interesting or I'm, it might make it where it's more frustrating because then I'm just really doing a lot of unoptimal type of things. So. so you you enjoyed it, just you wanted a little bit more tension. So you're going to try to take those powers out sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know, one of those things, I mean, there's a whole bunch of these office buildings and you, you know, those are just ones you kind of get at the beginning of the game. Um, and then there's other ones that you can get that have different powers and different things also that are, that are kind of cool. Um, but I, I like this game a lot. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I've played it three times and I've had it for, you know, just a little over a week here Cool. and I'm looking forward to playing it some more. I right. really, I really like the puzzle in this game. I would how love you, to learn it. How do you rate rank it though? Amongst the other Spielworks games though? Well, that's a, that's a big bucket of games right there. Well, <laughs> it sure is. There's, there's a couple at the cream of the crops. That okay. We talk. Certainly Arkwright and Lagranha are certainly mm -hmm. the top of the crop, but I would put this at a level like at a Gentis is about where I'd put it at. And I'd probably put that in about the same kind of spot of a Spielworks game. Are you talking about cool. complexity or enjoyment? Uh, both. Wow. I think I honestly think it's about the same level of complexity for, for Gentis. And I think it's, you know, for me, I at least the first few plays of it, I've enjoyed. Now, Gentis, I loved Gentis when I first played it. I played it a bunch when I first got it. It's one of those games where, you know, I kind of played it 
enough where I'm like, okay, I'm good type of thing. But I haven't played in a long time. And actually, Brent said you guys played it the other day, and you, he really enjoyed it. And I thought, gosh, I'd like to play it again because it's sure. been a while. Yeah. But mm. yeah, I'd put it in that same that same kind of mm. wow. I'm intrigued. I would like to play Crescent City yeah. Cargo. So sometime when you're looking for somebody to play it with, I'm in. So I might, I might. Okay. Just maybe I might say no Mountain Dew or something. You know, for you. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> what is wrong with the Mountain Dew? Why is his shirt off? Chad, you cannot ship any more coffee. Why did I not have any more coffee? <laughs> oh, all right. So that was uh, Crescent City Cargo by Spielworks Games, designed by Jason Dinger. All, all right. right. All right, Chad, tell us about your third game that you <laughs> recently played. <laughs> all right. Well, so we did. I did jump in and talk about Small City. I'm sorry, Dan, for interrupting. But I oh, just sorry. wanted to talk really quickly about Destinies because Richie asked me about it last time. Yes. He still hasn't. You still haven't had the chance to play it, I assume, right? No, I have not. Is that that three-player game that you Yeah, the three-player game. Yeah. It and, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. and it, it, it does play one to three players. It is a competitive game, but I, I kind of think of it like a family light D&D. So, Clef, this is, you would not like this at all, but it is made by the same people that play, that made uh, Chronicles of Crime, in, in other words, okay. Lucky Duck games, right? And the designers, I'm, I'm going to try my best here, it's Mikhail Golubyowski and Filip Malunski, I think. Uh, anyway, they designed it and it has that app system to it. It sort of has that mansions of madness kind of thing where you have an app. You also are using a QR reader. All of your cards have QR codes on them. Basically the crux of it is it is a competitive, uh, you're not in a dungeon for most of the scenarios, but there's a scenario and your character that you get at the beginning of the game has two different destinies. You scan those and you can kind of see and and you're trying to achieve your destiny before anybody else at the table. And you have to figure out what you're doing. And so you're going around on this map and exploring the map. You can only move so far at a time and you have little things that you drop out that you interact with and then you're scanning those and it's telling a story and you're kind of deciding what you want to do with it. And then the big sort of mechanism mechanism for this game is saving throws like in D&D, right? So you have your player board and you have you have strength, you have dexterity and you have sort of a wisdom or intelligence on your board and then you have these little discs that slot in uh, on these different numbers 1 to 12. Okay. And they start out in different places there, right? But they 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 start out there in different places and then you have options when you get experience points to move those closer to the left the reason you'd want to do this is because when you make a saving throws type of thing you roll some dice anything that you get higher than where those discs are at are successes okay okay and so you will have between three and four of those discs in an ability at one time uh you can also get these special dice that are purple that refresh and they have a couple extra numbers on them plus a, an instant success and you can add those in too so the idea is like oh do i move my really far 12 one that's you know not i'm not successful at in strength do i try to move that way down so i have a possibility of more successes or do i move some of these other ones closer to zero so that i have instant successes no matter what i roll and so you're kind of doing those kinds of things and moving around the map in a way that's like an interactive story. You know, you you think of think of video games sometimes when you're moving around and you interact with people and they give you clues as to what you're supposed to do over across the board and get these different items. You have to pay for items. You've got resource management that you're doing. Um, you may uh, run into a tile where you have to scan an item that you have or try out doing something with an item that you have. 
And basically, you're just trying to fulfill your destiny before the other person does. You can move to this thing. Once you do, you can move to this thing called the finale. And then it sort of ramps up and, you know, it plays music and all this other stuff. It's it's sort of ramping up and you basically have to do it in a certain number of turns. Okay, I have two questions. Sure. What is the... Is, are you sure you weren't playing a video game? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, but truthfully... What percentage would you say of this game are you playing with your phone in your hand or interacting with your phone? Because is it more of a not, a, not a video game, but is it more of a digital game than it is a board game? So you have minis, and they're really beautifully sculpted minis. Some of them are so tiny, though, that it says, put this mini out on the board, and you have no idea after a while. You're just going, oh, yeah, sure, this one. That's fine. <laughs> wow. Because they're tiny. Yeah, but the scale is crazy yeah. yeah they're really detailed though um and your map tiles that you're building out there's like 60 of these things okay so they're they're going out in different places i would say we play it on the ipad so it's not like everyone has one it's just when it's your turn you pass it around and maybe you're scanning one thing and maybe you're pointing to what you're interacting with on the ipad that brings up the prompt of of choices or saving throws or whatever i mean would you say you played a board game when you played this i i actually feel like we are um because my wife really enjoys it too and she's very sort of like anti-screen with finn mm -hmm. you know my son and and he really really likes this game i mean and he'll sit down like I'm not joking. This game is, and he doesn't like to sit down very long, but this game is like probably two or three hours be, uh, on the big ones. So there's an intro one that's shorter, and then the other ones can be longer because you really have to figure out what your character's meant to do. And sometimes that takes traversing some of these map tiles and exploring and just seeing what pops up. Mm. So, but honestly, I would say I've played Mansions of Madness Second Edition. I'd say it's on the order of that. So if you felt like that was too much of a video game, maybe you'll feel this way. But if you liked Mansions of Madness and you like the fantasy setting, you know, this might be something for you. And it's competitive. So for those people that don't like co-ops, no. But they also are doing, they also have an expansion out that's sort of like the Arabian Nights too. So it doesn't just have to be fantasy. So it's it's now, interesting. Is it as much scanning as Chronicles of Crime? Because I know that was a big issue for Clef. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the issue for Clef, I don't think, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, it's a, it is a lot of scanning sometimes. I don't know if it's as much. You're not mm. doing it every turn necessarily. Okay, well then that's less. Yeah, because I mean you are doing that with Chronicles, yeah. which I don't mind, but I know you're. Yeah, you're not doing it Clef every turn. Aren't. But I would say, like I said, this is perfect for my family because it is light. Uh, for what you're doing. There's still interesting choices to be made, but Finn wants to play D&D, &D, and I just, haven't, I just haven't perfected my DM game yet. And so we're going to do that really soon, but this is what we're doing in the meantime, and he is completely happy and satisfied with it and asks to play it. So that's, in my mind, that's a win. Nice. So what, So does Richie that excite you then? You want to get to the table? Uh, I mean, it, the problem is, is that it's one to three. I, mean, I can play with Jessica, but I would like, you know, the full three players if I could. Yeah. So we got to get Knox going potentially. The, I don't know. I would have to talk to you about that because there is some like Dark gore. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of gore like, oh, the rats get him or, you know, so stuff like that. So no, my yeah. kids aren't used to that. Yeah, I get it. Isla, she got up in the middle of the night and yeah. we were watching and it was it was like a PG-13 movie, but yeah. there was a part where this guy was having a bad dream and the he was on fire. Oh. All of a sudden I look over and Isla's just sitting there like shaking and I was like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, you've never seen anything like that. Scarred <laughs> right, for life. Walk you back to bed. <laughs> well, so anyway, if you have a family and they are kind of one of this D&D &D light, I would I would recommend it. It's not for everybody. It's definitely not for Clef. So he's going to want to play the kitty cat role-playing game instead. But uh, 
I'd recommend it. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you lost me when you said something about saving throws or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sneak in a game on. Chat. Go, go for it. Go Whoa. for it. Well, I, that's do you, destiny. Do you still have Cosmic Dan? Absolutely. Cosmic Encounter. Because I got to play that this past weekend like three times. Yes. Ooh, all right. I still don't. I don't understand why you don't like New Clef doesn't necessarily like it. Because we played. Because one, my my 16 year old nephew, I got to lie to his face and oh, so screw good. him over and win the game. That was fantastic. I got to play as the nightmare, which you get the power to give bad dreams. So anytime someone doesn't invite you on an encounter, you can give them a bad dream. Anytime someone beats you, you can give them a bad dream, and then you can reveal that bad dream whenever you want. And it's something negative, always. Obviously. But okay. Yeah. Uh, but do you get to be like a woodland creature while you play it? Because that might be the thing. <laughs> a little sprite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago did we play Cosmic? When I mean, that's with you. Seemed, yeah, that was. That's like oh, well, was that not new well club? over a year. Okay, ago. well maybe that might be close to two years ago. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was recently. Gotcha. I that's, still. I don't think. I don't think it's for you. <laughs> you have to sit down and know what you're getting into when you sit down, and it's not. It's hardly even a game. I, at this point, I just think it's, I, it's just definitely more like bluffing it's like a, and negotiation. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's very. It's like a gamer's party game almost. Yes. Right, I would right. say it's so. more of a party game. Well, maybe I just need to drink some Mountain Dew. I was I'll just going right. to say, I'm going to loan you my Mountain Dew. There we go. I'm giving you nightmares all night. Can I just, Can't I just have my own? Do you have to loan me yours? <laughs> you just got to hold on to it. That's what you have to drink it. You know what? I, I just found this out. Like, this is only at Walmart. I got some insider information. One of, one, of my, one of my friends actually stocks, and I was like, where do we find this stuff? Because you can only, and she's like, are oh, you, yeah, it's exclusive. Sound like you're there's only drugs. one Walmart. <laughs> Why are you so Y'all jittery right now? That Mountain Dew? Uh, my uh, our, our one of our patrons, uh, Mark, my friend, he texted me today about yeah something about you can get it at Mountain Dew and tell Chad the Baja one is really good too or something. I don't even know. I, I can only do like, frostbite. I'm yeah, just a, I'm just a frostbite guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, this is uh, let's get this back on the rails, All Richie. Right. What what do you, what do you got for a mailbag today? Well, uh, Chad has something for me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well. Here's the thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to Tom Vassell the other day. He said he was kind of talking about how he gets annoyed sometimes when some of these bigger production companies, some of these bigger board game producers try to do a little bit of everything. Like we got to have a family game. We got to have a rolling, right? We got to have a big heavy strategy game, that sort of thing. He's like, just do what you do and do it well, you know? I mean, do you guys, I thought that was really interesting. I kind of thought about that and I thought, you know, I could be of two minds about this thing. You know, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Do you really want to have a board game company where every time you go to that board game company, you know what you're getting? Or do you, do you, do you like when, when they diversify a little bit? Uh, I like the board game company that I'm coming to get a board game from me to know what type, for the most part, what type of game I'm going to get. When I go get a GMT game, I know what type of game I'm going to get for the most part. Okay. Yeah. If I get, I mean, not that I do, but if you buy a Hava game, you know what type of game you're going to get. Right. Right. I think that's, you know, days of wonder, you know, what type of game you're going to get. Uh, so for me, yes, I would say I would prefer to have a board game company give me that same type of game you know, most of the time. So I have an idea. And then that also for me lets me know, Hey, I want to pay attention to this board game company. You know, that's a, I always want to check out and see what they're doing. But if, you know, if they're all of a sudden coming out with, you know, some, I don't know, some gum, a game or something about gum, I, you know, 
what is that? That's just <laughs> what's going like on. A great game, honestly. I don't know. I like game. <laughs> I don't know. Comment. Anyway, so. so tell me what Dan. Do you have a? Do you have a company that you feel like does this well? Relatively, never steers you wrong, or do you have feelings about this one way or the other? Uh, I mean, I certainly agree with what Clef said. I think it's nice to have companies that you know they make tried and true games that you you know you are drawn to. But I think thinking about that question now, I feel like it's almost like putting horse blinders or or you know shackling someone and saying you have made this type of game, don't even try to make another type of game. When I mean you're you're limiting possibly you know the creation of the one of the greatest games of all time you don't know if it's going to be i kind of almost want to go down a level and say you know because a lot of times you'll get designers who work with the same publisher and so for example i think immediately i think of uva rosenberg and all of his games are farming games and so when i think you know do i want uva rosenberg to try a different game you know uh i mean i guess he's clearly the king of growing farms uh and so am i happy about that yes would i be happy if he tried a different game of course well using your example and this is a little bit different because it's designers but i mean you could still extrapolate here but using your example we have something like feast for odin Mm -hmm. from him and then we have patchwork yeah you know which is neither the same theme nor nearly the same complexity yeah and both really really good games right clef no Okay, <laughs> but it just—I feel like why limit a a person or even a company to say you know this is what you're successful at? Don't even try something else. That's—I mean—that's that's called free enterprise. If the game is good, it's going to do well, and if it's not good, hopefully they're going to learn from their mistakes and move on. Right? Yeah, I I wouldn't like I wouldn't care if a company is branching out, and also it makes sense business wise. There are companies that are just trying to reach that lighter more casual gamer because that there's money there. Right. Like target sense. exclusives yeah, or you whatever your game it is. And target anything like that, or, and it will actually sell well there. I get it. I would be more like, I'm more concerned about, and it, this seems like this is kind of the, the trend now anyways, is putting out less crap. Like there's, there was a time where, I mean, it was just, I mean, companies are just putting out so many games and you know, most of them are mediocre to bad. So mm-hmm. I like, you know, like a days of wonder, where you know they're only going to put out one or two games a year. Right now, I also understand the risk in that because if you put out a stinker and you, that's your one game for the year, then mm-hmm. that's that's rough. But I I like that, and I know like AG's doing that more. Right, more they, they made a move that. towards that right. splatter. I mean, I mean, a splatter game. You know what be you're going to get. Few and far between, but yeah. it's going to be a good game. Yeah. Well, and with splatter, it's been play tested. It's been developed. You know, right. so that's it's it's been through a heavy development cycle there, sure. obviously. Well, yeah, as think? long as you're putting out good games. Yep. Chad, Chad, what do you about. think? I, I I tend to go along. I mean, it's hard to say, like Richie said, it's hard to fault a business for wanting to get their product into the most hands. You really can't say that. I mean, even with, so even with this podcast, right, we, we talk about all kinds of games, but our, our focus is a, li- a little bit heavier games. That's not the, that's not a audience where I can say to my family or to, you know, some, some friends like, Hey, you know, have you ever played board games? Listen to this podcast. You know, right. it's it's not. Uh, uh, so I get it. I understand. You know, even heavy cardboard, like they would get that too. That there's only a certain amount of audience that they're going to reach with what they do. So I get the the want to diversify, but I also do think that there's value in having that 
board game space where you know exactly what you do and you do it well. But maybe the solution is, you know, like like Richie said, making sure that the, the development cycle is there too. So hmm. anyway, thanks for your feedback. Uh, yeah. Good question, Chad. Good Thank job, you. Chad. Yeah. Speaking of feedback, we did get uh, some good feedback uh, in the form of a new Patreon member. Woohoo! Thanks are in order for our newest Patreon member, Chow Luk Hong. Uh, Chow, I hope that uh, I pronounced your name correctly. Thank you so much for your uh, your contribution. We really appreciate it. And as always, as we always say, you know what? We understand these are crazy times. We appreciate any support you give to the podcast, be it listening, retweeting, uh, reviews, all of that kind of stuff. So thank you to each and every one of you and to our patrons. All right, now it's time for our feature review of the new Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. Dan, would you like to give us a little overview of the game? Yes, can I? Yeah. Man, all right, yes, I would love to. Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition is a game that came out in 2021, designed by Sidney Engelstein and Jacob Frixillis, and published by Stronghold Games. In Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, which we will henceforth be calling Ares Expedition, I think, so we don't have a mouthful, is a uh, game separate from the original Terraforming Mars. Uh, However, it implements a lot of the same ideas. And in this game, uh, you represent a corporation who is attempting to make Mars habitable. In doing so, there are three criteria that need to be met amongst you and your opponents. One is increasing the oxygen Two is increasing the temperature, and three is uh, putting oceans onto the surface of Mars. You do this by playing cards through a series of actions. Each round, every player is going to pick one of five possible actions that will be implemented. This is done simultaneously and then revealed. The actions are ranged from playing cards to activating actions on played cards, producing your resources, or drawing new cards. Every player is going to pick one card and reveal it simultaneously. Then those actions will be performed by all players simultaneously, only on the actions that were selected. Then, once everyone has performed those actions, those specific actions will be set aside, and everyone will be forced to pick another action, as long as it's not the previous one picked, You will then rinse and repeat until the three objectives have been met. Once that is done, you will tally up your score on the main board, as well as any additional points that you have from your project cards. Whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. All right, perfect. Thank you, Dan. That was kind of a brief overview, but uh, I think I felt like we were going to dig into a little deeper yeah, once sure. we started talking yeah. about the game. That's great. Did I do okay, guys? Yeah, yeah. You, did you did great. I Honestly, I think we should just have him on every time to do this. Yeah, you do the like, rules less work every time. Yeah. Well, I, well, I haven't played this one, but it looks like there's some cards. So there's this piece, and you move the piece. Uh, all right, so we're going to break this down. How do we, how do, we do this? 
we usually start with art and components, which I know is the most important thing to you. Let's, yes. let's, just, let's, do, let's flip it on its side. <laughs> let's do a review first, and we'll end on art and components. Oh, no. oh my oh. God. Oh. I, I feel uncomfortable. I don't even know what to do right now. Just drink more Mountain Dew. Next time I'm on, we'll do that, okay? Next right. time I'm I was on. really uncomfortable just because your robe was open. But anyway, let's, uh, let's keep moving. Okay, art and components, you say, all right? Yes. I will start. The cards are really nice. The cards are are look, very nice. Look, very nice art. Yes, very nice, nice linen art. finish. Nice. It was. Yep. I, I rule book also linen finish. Yeah, Ooh. it was very nice. I did oh. like that. I think the biggest thing, and this is going to happen, unfortunately, throughout most of this review, is it's going to be reviewed against its bigger brother. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to try sure. and review it separate and standalone because mm -hmm. I know not everyone has had an opportunity, but I think it's very valid to at least make sure that people who are interested in this game know how it compares to the original sure, sure. game. So uh, one of the things right off the bat I'll say is the player board have the exact same issues as was in the base game. But the finish on the player board was a little bit rougher. Like there's a linen finish to it. It's not perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, but it's it's a little bit rougher. It's not quite as slick so that, that you get a little bit more true. friction. It now, is true. So, Dan, you got your, your copy at Target as well? Yes, I okay. have the retail edition. I know that the Kickstarter, Kickstarter edition, has the... it's got a dual-layered board, yeah. so it's got it, they actually corrected that issue, but honestly, that should have just been put in the retail mm. edition. I don't Agreed. understand why they would separate that. I would say, because $39.99 is, is MSRP if you get it from Target. Uh -huh. And I actually, I actually think that it is... It is one of those rare stronghold games that is actually worth the price that is the MSRP. As far as we're not talking about anything else, but what you get in the box. So I, I got a question. Do you think that who who did those overlays? Well, there was quite a there's few a lot of, third market. Yeah. There's a lot of things. You go on there Etsy no, and there's a They, they eventually put out but, a, an official one in one of their expansions. But yeah, there were, I mean, it wasn't a dozen, like a dozen or more. Uh, I don't even know. I'm, I mean, like, I, don't pay I think you can get one through Broken Token. Uh, like those. Basically. I, I almost wonder, like, if, if, you know, Stronghold says, hey, Broken Token, you know, we're going to put it out, you know, the same old basic way. You know, that's why you guys can, you know, make money on that. I mean, I, well, uh, this is like I'm, I'm, it's it's the age old question of if we know people are going to you know pimp their games out, sure. Do they cut that profit margin and say we're going to just charge extra and do it for you, or do they, like Chad said, just price it at what they think and know full well right. that the secondary market is going to take care of it and they don't even need to worry about it? Yeah, yeah. This is a Target exclusive too, so this is like trying to target people that might not be as into the board gaming hobby as some other, you know, as some other hobbyists. I sure. will say and they may not be able to be willing to pay a little extra just right. for those boards. Well, and you right. can tell that that was their intent. I mean, the box is smaller, so it's probably less intimidating. Uh, there are fewer components. I mean, really the main board where you put your ocean tiles is really non-existent. I think it, it does track the three gauges, but other than that, there's really no interaction on the board. There's a minimal amount of stuff in this game, and I think that they did that purposefully. I think they wanted the game to be a sized-down version. So maybe not doing the dual but layer boards, I'm sure that was something specific that they decided not to do. Well, and I wonder if Target might have a a Target price that they say, you oh, know, probably. you need to sell this at you know to, for us to carry it. It has to be at this price. I remember a long time ago um, at Gen Con um, when I was working for Capstone, and Clay was approached by, uh, I think it might have been Walmart, about the climbers. 
and they wanted the price to be so, you know, such a price it was too low for him to, you know, he would have lost money on selling the climbers or what at Walmart or whatever. So I'm just curious though, though, maybe Stronghold says, okay, well, we're going to do this. And they go, well, it has to be at this price. So they say, well, we got to make just the basic, you know, crummy boards again that, that mm-hmm. don't work very well. Well, they certainly have, you know, hobbyists like Ticket to Ride and some of those that are priced higher. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, that, that's a possibility, but, you know. It, it, at least in my opinion, it doesn't fully detract from the game. I feel like it's the same as the base game. I feel like it's not deterring me from playing the game. It was certainly something that rose to my consideration once I started doing it, but um really quickly this is just kind of a tangent on that i don't know if you guys were aware of this but a lot of there was kind of a an issue about it being released in target before the kickstarter backers ever got their copy mm-hmm. um i don't know do you guys have an opinion on this because for me personally if i was making a game and target approached me and said we want to have this on our shelves i would bend over backwards and uh, sorry to say it i would be happy to put that on the shelf, even if it meant upsetting some of my backers. Do you guys have an opinion on that being in the stores before the backers even got their copies? Well, see, for me, Kickstarter is what it was meant to be is I am helping them bring this game to fruition, right? right. I am I am giving my money in so that they can create it. They then in turn have promised me, hey, we're going to get you a game, right? That, I mean, that's what it's what kickstarter is all about so i to me am okay if as long as they're still gonna send me the game i'm gonna have it now i might have a little bit of jealousy because it's like man i'd really like to play this game and you know people are already playing it because they can go buy it at target and i still gotta wait now but i'll also say this what have they is have they already the kickstarter people have gotten it now not yet but okay they're not getting the exact same game Sure, they're getting, and that's it. usually in this conversation they're getting a where better I, version. They're getting a better version. So, so it's if going, it was the same version, you would say that's not right. If it's the same version, because a lot of times what you'll see is that a Kickstarter version will show up in stores and also be cheaper than what it was on. And more and more now, it's I mean, companies are just using Kickstarter as like a pre-order system. Sure. And in th- those situations, I would have a problem. In this one, I really don't have a problem because it is a completely different game. That they're that the backers are getting, they're paying they're paying more to get better components and all that stuff's going to take more time to create and plus some new cards, too, yeah, right. And they're getting promo cards and stuff like that. So I mean, it makes sense that the cheaper version, that especially once it gets to Target, Target has the distribution set up to just get it out, right? right. So I I would piggyback on that and say, to my mind, and I didn't follow the Kickstarter, but if the Kickstarter was billed, I don't know when it when it came out, but if the Kickstarter was sort of billed, and some companies do this. As a pre-order, you know, if they had already had the game and everything and they just needed to know how many copies, if it was if it was done that way, then I'd probably have a problem with it if I was a backer. Mm. If not, then then no. Because I mean, different companies do do that. You know, they they treat it strictly as a pre-order system. This helps us. It's not because we need, you know, you need you to get this game up. to market. We're not right. talking about a small game. Sure. A small I mean, every game publisher right now is in a squeeze. We know that. But I mean, we're not talking about an independent publisher that really has, you know, one or two games to their credit and doesn't have a lot of extra funds. We're not talking about that. Yeah, like if it was like City of the Big Shoulders and then all of a sudden, like whatever, Target picked it up for some reason, I'd be happy. You go, get yours. Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. But uh, just to kind of round out art and components, I know... It's not a huge deal, but this was something that was definitely brought up with the base game is that the art 
People really didn't like the art. It didn't really mesh well. I feel like the art is fine in this. It does fine. The iconography is very clear. Mm -hmm. They really color coordinated the cards. Uh, so made it real, real easy to learn. The rule book is beautiful. It's real, real easy to learn from. So I actually give the art and components a thumbs up for me. Yep. Much, much better. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yep. All right. So I guess now, is it now when we do the review? Or we no, not gameplay. yet. Okay. Yeah, okay. Gameplay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Review. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So for gameplay, I don't know about you guys, but this to me, when I first saw that this was out, I did not back it on Kickstarter. Uh, I was I was not really interested in it when it first came out. I thought, why am I getting a game that is emulating a game that I really, really love and parsing it down, making it a smaller version of a game I really like? So I was not really excited to play this game when it first came out. Right. I obviously got a little bit of FOMO when it started popping up and when there was an opportunity for me to get it at a Target. I gobbled it up right quick. The first thing that I noticed that was leaps and bounds better than the base game, and you guys might be able to attest to this, is there was hardly any downtime in this game. The simultaneous play to me in this game is leaps and bounds the best aspect of this game. Do you guys agree? You're uh, talking about the piggybacking action, right? Like, I play an action card, you can do the lesser version, but I've picked it, so... Yeah, and okay. I, I tried not to say this in the overview, but it effectively, there's obviously lots of games that emulate this. Race for the Galaxy, Roll for the Galaxy, mm. Puerto Rico. They all do this where, you know, you do an action, and then everyone gets to do the same action, but you get a bonus for doing I think they even that. call out Race for the Galaxy in the rule book. Do yeah. they really? Because I, I would hope so. so, because it is, like, straight from that. It is, but in Terraforming Mars, the base game, you know, one person could be doing an action and then you could just be sitting there for several minutes or you may have already passed for the round mm -hmm. and you're waiting for them to do several actions and spend uh. all their money. Whereas in this game, you're playing a single card and everybody's playing a card, but then you get a discount or everybody's producing and then it's done or everyone's drawing a card. It's just it's very fluid and very no downtime for me, which was just a. It blew me away, honestly. Definitely agree. One of the things I would I would say for us, certainly the length of time for the original Terraforming Mars was part of its non-appeal. I mean, now, mm. the last time we played Terraforming Mars was at like 2 o'clock in the morning at a, at a con, and it took us like eight hours or something. But uh, I so speeding it up, certainly I would agree this version speeds it up. Because you are piggybacking, so people are taking turns at the same time doing things. Now, one thing I would say on top of that, though, that I think personally, and I, I'm not a game designer here, but I'm trying my best to put that hat on and think about it from that angle. One thing that I think is almost unforgivable that they didn't fix with this, because I, I agree with you, Dan, I really like that, is that I've played this at a few different player counts and the two player version still seems overly yeah. long because you're not getting other people's action cards. Yep. And right. so that still makes it way too much longer. It makes it feel like the longest player count and it's kind of irritating mm -hmm. to me that they didn't make, okay, flip the board over. Here's a new temperature track. Here's a new oxygen track. This is the shorter version. Yes, it, it, it nerfs some of those cards that need those longer builds of red temperature or white temperature or whatever, but it doesn't overstay its welcome because for two players, I really got irritated with how much longer it took. Yeah, I, I noticed that right away too. I wonder, I mean, they had to have deliberately decided that, but you know, 
Clef, we've talked about like variants for Race for the Galaxy where you can just have a dummy deck and it acts as basically a third person and then yep. they'll randomly flip a card which will choose a new phase. I've actually implemented that in a couple of my two-player games of Ares Expedition where it'll be me and then my opponent and then we'd have a third dummy deck and then we would just shuffle that deck and then flip the card over. It's random at first, but then as the deck kind of dwindles down and you get to their fourth and fifth card, you can strategize and say, okay, I know they're going to, production's going to come up. Mm -hmm. it, it added a layer, but I felt like, why wasn't this varied in the game? Exactly. So, I mean, because that's, I mean, you would think that they would have because it's an, it's basically the solo game. That's how the solo bot operates yeah. is you have a dummy deck. And the interesting thing is because you get basically five rounds to make sure that you have terraformed Mars by that time, but you're going through the dummy deck the full dummy deck five times. And the interesting thing is the last round, you are able to plan out the last play of the dummy deck. Hmm. So instead of flipping it up randomly, you 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 plan that last round, which is, is kind of interesting. But yeah, why did you have it in the solo game, but you didn't allow right. for that to, for, to move the two think, player? Clef, what did you say they do for Race for the Galaxy for two player? Uh, you get to pick two cards. Because you, you have that would seven. Be perfect. I think yeah, you have seven in the original game. You have Simple. two each yeah. player. Does. Or you yeah. roll for the galaxy. You just oh. roll another die. You roll yeah. a random die. Yeah, there seems like they could have done a lot it. of things to make it more balanced in yeah. that phase. When you're picking actions like that, you need more than just... Because what if you pick the same action as your opponent? It's like, wow, that was a waste of a round type of right. thing. Yeah. yeah, it's just... I keep going back to why did they make this game? They made this game as an alternative to the length of the first game. They right. wanted a faster, more approachable version. And I had a couple games that I played two-player, and it was a long game. I mean, it was 90-plus minutes. And if you're not enjoying that engine build, which this game has the exact same feels as the first one, uh, it's a long game, and it can be a long game meeting those three parameters. Or even if you are enjoying it, which I've had with my plays of the of the big game and had it at two players with this, even if you are enjoying it, you've like, okay, I've run my engine enough. Can it, yeah. can we be done? Can we have terraformed everything? Yeah. You know, I mean, I I still this game does do that well. Mm -hmm. It's just for how long it does it, and, and that's the same way I feel about terraforming Mars. It does give you good feels when you're when you're piggybacking those actions when you when you get stuff going and go okay I put a microbe here now and then that lets me take use my power and put an animal here and then I get to move the plants up here and do you right, know right. that feels really good but there's only so many times you want to do that right well and and obviously one of my biggest criticisms of the original game and I know that it's not in the original game there are attack cards and different stuff. Now, there's no attack zero, cards in this. Zero no. ne this, negative interaction. This game is, uh, I'm looking at my engine. I'm yes. building my engine. Oh, I apologize. Are you guys also playing a game? The only interaction <laughs> is hoping that you guys pick a card that I would like to do the action of that I'm picking right. a different card. Otherwise, I don't even care what you're doing. I, I, no. it, it's hey, irrelevant. I'll, well, one, I mean, especially in those lower player games, your engine gets so big and there's so many cards in front of you. There's no way I can look over at your area and tell what you did. Right. So I, you know, what I don't really care. You could be cheating like crazy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I, I just really made a hundred heat. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Once I, I know what what phase you picked, yeah. I'm pretty much done with you. Yep. I, yeah. Exactly. I'm not looking at you until you're picking a new card. I mean, yeah, I do agree. I think it's probably not as bad as you guys are laying out to be. I think that there is 
some strategic element in saying, okay, he's played this card. He needs to produce. So he, I know he's going to produce for me. I mean, there's there's a little bit of that aspect, which is honestly the same thing you get in Race for the Galaxy. I don't think that it's prevalent enough to dictate how you play the game, but it's certainly something that I was aware of while I played. Right. But like we said, once you once we reveal phase cards, right. we're done with each other. Right. right. You're, do, you're just part. doing your own thing. Whereas I think there, there are certain things in race where you are, it's a little bit more aggressive, yeah. I think. But regardless, regardless, I, I think you'll be able to decide, you know, despite what we think, if you're listening to this review, you'll be able to decide, you know, what kind of game this is based on that as far as a player interaction standpoint and tell if you want to, you know, if you want to participate in that. Right. And I'm going to go off on a tangent because... You know, that's what I'm going to do right now. I, I was was I was talking last night about the fact that, for me, I, I was noticing that most of the games that I like don't have a solo game with them. There's no solo variant to them because they have player interaction. Food Chain, Brass, Arkwright, you know, just to name a few of them. Those games are all going to be heavy player interaction. Where most games that have a solo version tend to have a little bit more of a head down type of aspect to them. And I think this game really has that head down where you can play this game solo and it doesn't make as big a difference if you have opponents or not. Especially, it sounds like it might even be better with this dummy version if you have some sort of a knowledge about what's going to start to come so you'd have a better knowledge of what you want to do. Yeah, you do You do have that sort of strategy there. And I, I honestly feel like if you really like the engine building and stuff, it's not that yeah. much different. Except that, you know, you want to play socially with somebody and enjoy your time. And and, and like I said, sure. people who like that, and that's that's totally fine, they're going to know that maybe this is for them. And I would I would suggest, you know, to, to, to try it. But I would say I would say counter to you though that like there's plenty of coin games out there and, and even more I, games. That- and I said <laughs> that and then Dan and I actually had a long conversation about this today um, about the fact that there's obviously two different kind of solo games that you would normally get the a bot and then you have a try to make the best puzzle and make your best score and I would certainly say like for instance in a coin game certainly there are. Yes, you could play it solo if you wanted to play with three other bots, but you know, I, I don't know. I just would never. I don't. Anyways, so <laughs> touche, Chad. Yes, all right. <laughs> well, going back to gameplay, though, I think one of the things that I was kind of let down by is the main player board, if you can even call it that. Um, it was effectively just a place to track the charts. There was no interaction on that board. You have the ocean tiles, which you're supposed to splay out and then you flip them. Oh, yeah. I, I literally you have just, just started them stack stacking into, them yeah. because yeah, just you, just, them you just flip them over. Yeah. I, I don't know. Again, I understand they're trying to scale down the base game. And so you don't just want a miniature version of terraforming Mars, but I feel like that had interaction even if it was a minuscule part, there was interaction in where you built in the base game. There's none of that in this. There game. was certainly more like on the board. Maybe I want to flip that tile or get that space that gives me an extra thing that I need. And maybe if you took it first, cause it's kind of a valuable space or right. maybe if I break up what you're, you know, what you're trying to build then you know, yes. Uh, so there's definitely more of that in the bigger game. That's true. Yeah. I mean, the bonuses on the ocean tiles aren't even, no, like, you don't even care. No, you are not but, but do you think that that's intentional? Do you think that they made this 
for more of the people who like the, you know, the um, uh, Care Bear type of players that that don't want that interaction. They just want to build their engine. You know yes. what I mean? I I think that. But again, why would you want to make something that's exactly the same anyway? Well, because that's the, one of the greatest selling games of all time. Why well, would you not just want to? reproduce it over and over again <laughs> because i'm going to put my name i'm going to put the name on it and you'll buy it anyway well, that's and then that's the thing yeah and then there's a different experience how much money do you think you spent on the base game well i just got these uh neoprene mats that i ordered from like latvia or something 30 dollars <laughs> for each mat right uh they were about well i think they were like 50 oh my god euros before shipping Euro. before shipping <laughs> but they are beautiful they are beautiful uh, no, uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about gameplay, guys, is the production action itself. Um, I know you guys may not be th this critical thinking, but when you... <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm hey was there an insult well, there somewhere? Wow. <laughs> Clef is Thank looking God up he's here to help us in our... <laughs> <laughs> Clef literally rolled his eyes when I said that, so I don't, I don't know what to expect. No, no, no. When you choose the production phase and you produce, you produce on all, I think you have six different categories that you produce. And the cards that you have previously played, you infer their information and you put it onto your player board. So all of the information you need to produce is on your player board. You never need to look at your cards a second time, except they've added this new type of production card that has variable production. So for example, one card will say you gain additional money during production for every card that has a Mars planet symbol on that card. So the moment you produce, you have to either count all of your Mars symbols that you have, or you need to constantly be checking to make sure that your production is well. This is a new feature. Um, it honestly took me two or three games to really catch it, figure it out, and really explain it. I don't know. Did you guys have any issues with well, how things... I, I started, I had that card, and I would, I would start counting it every single time. And then I think Richie just said to me, just move your thing up. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what I did. And then every time I got a new card, I just moved my... But the problem is if you're playing a game where you have 30, 40, 50 cards in your tableau... Oh, I'm out. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> if the, that's why... And I'll kind of catch on this when we talk about our final thoughts. But if you're playing a game where you're having tons of cards in your tableau, who is this game for? Because that is no longer a family game. If you have to monitor all of these little symbols and look for earth tags and Jovian tags, as they call them, and you're looking for science tags and all these different tags, and as they call them, the tags are basically the little symbols on the cards. That's a lot of information to keep up. Keep. And you're right. The moment you play the card, if you are ordered and structured with all of your cards, then you'll be fine. But if you are not an orderly person, it can be completely overwhelming. Yeah. The the thing uh, I would say too to keep to keep in mind is you can get uh, actions out there too, and some of them are permanent abilities, and some of them you have to trigger when you do that action phase too. So those you have to be looking at as well. Yeah. You you definitely mm -hmm. have to be upkeep with those, and and you you can miss those if you have enough of those cards. Yeah, I I don't think they even though they got this into target, I don't think that they're aiming this as like a gateway or even like a gateway plus game. I think this is for people, gamers who just think terraforming Mars is too long. So and I think that that's who this is meant to appease. Okay. So curious question. How many people do you think purchased this game to play that had never played 
the original Terraforming Mars board game? I would say it's a small percentage. Yeah. I mean, so most people are going to buy this game and play this game when they've already basically played the game. It's like an alternative to playing the real game. And that's basically what I was talking about. It's just a faster version hmm? of the same game. So yeah. 90 minutes as opposed to two and a half hours. Yeah. But I'm telling you, some of those player, those two player games can get they close can to two long. hours. Okay. So, so, so that, that was my hour. problem yeah. with it, you know, but I will say, I would guess, I would guess that there's a certain percentage that is going to hear about terraforming Mars and he, you know, cause like of how prevalent it is mm-hmm. and maybe pick this up in target. It's a very, I mean, I don't have any experience of this, but it's certainly, I would assume the same relation that Gloomhaven uh, Jaws of the Lion has. Right. They're going to see this on the shelves, which is in a lot of mass market stores. Yep. And they're going to maybe something in the rule book says, Hey, look at this big brother game. And they're going to be inspired to go get it. I'm assuming that's what they're thinking. Right. That's part of it. But I would say it makes, it still makes more sense with Gloomhaven just because that is so big. And that is, you know, even for us, I mean, that's a lot to just to, you know, spend a hundred plus dollars on that game, even though you know that it may not hit the table more than like once or twice a year. I think, uh, and and this is, you know, maybe off the rails a little bit, but I think uh, Jaws of the Lion fixed uh, more playability issues with Gloomhaven than this fixes with Terraforming Mars as far as setup and different stuff like that. But, but you know what? That's that's maybe neither here we'll nor say there. That for the next year, I will maybe. say, yeah, <laughs> I would say that th- that if you go into Target, th- these things are on the end cap. If you're passing the toy aisle, yeah. you can see a bunch of terraforming Mars mm-hmm. Ares Expedition boxes mm-hmm. right there. So if I, I'm a, like a if I'm a mom and I'm like getting a, a oh I heard my my son likes board games whatever you know I might get that off the shelf at forty bucks. It's it's cheaper than some of the other stuff that's there. Yeah. They were really thinking they just would have put Matt Damon's face on the front of the box. And- <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> but I think ultimately with the gameplay, I mean, I enjoyed it. I'll go back to that simultaneous. Everything's happening at once. I felt like there was no downtime. I did enjoy the gameplay, even if I felt like it started to run on too long, just like its base game. I enjoyed what you're doing. It's the same feels that you get from the base game. It's those engine building, those euphoric good feels. I I loved the gameplay. I really didn't have any negative aspects of how the game played itself. Now, did you think the four player game went too fast? Did you think that it had the opposite problem of the two player game? Uh, no, actually I didn't. I I liked the pace of a four player game, probably the best. Now, a lot of my games were teaching games. So I think that this is the type of game where, four seasoned players who all know what they're doing could get the game done in less than an hour, which I think was ultimately what they're trying to do. Right. But as far as the teaching of this game, anybody who's played original Terraforming Mars, you've taught them that's 80% of the game. Yeah. Or even I would go a step further and say, if they've played race for the galaxy, you're basically saying, put those two together. It's like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Beautiful. So, well, let's talk about replayability. Because we, I mean, there's a huge deck of cards in this game. Two hundred and eight. Yeah. Do you ever have a? Have you ever made it through the whole deck of cards? I personally have not. Uh, we did it in our four player game. We had to. We had to reshuffle. Okay. okay. So I mean, we went yeah. through it. But obviously, you're not. You know, right. You're, you're, you're using some of those cards, cards to, to pay for stuff and whatnot. And so. there, are, I think it's been touted that they are all unique cards, yep. just like the base game. Um, but honestly. There's slight variations of each other. I mean, one's going to give you two production of mega credits. One's going to give you three. So it's not, in terms of variability, it's not really a lot of variability. Now, I will tell you, this game is obviously ripe. 
or expansions. Sure. I mean, it's just there's no reason why they're not just going to just that's a pump given. cards into yeah. it forever. They could mm-hmm. even they could even possibly add a an actual another action card or yeah. choice yeah. card basically pretty but, easily. So I would actually say variability is high, but you have to you have to like this type of game. Right. I mean, if you if if you don't like terraforming Mars. You're gonna say that the variability in this game is very low because you're doing the same thing every turn. Uh, I'm gonna say the variability in this game is very low. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, but exactly what you just said to me. Okay, one card that says blah blah blah, and the other card that says blah blah blah, they're the same exact same thing. You know, I mean, okay, uh, I'm looking for Earth symbols because they're cheaper for me, or I'm looking for whatever the other planets are, whatever the other mm-hmm. titanium or whatever. And okay, oh, okay, well, this one does this, and that's a little different, but it's, you know, oh, but this other one here does almost the same thing. They're, they're just so similar to me. I just, I'm just doing the same thing. I'm just grabbing a card and playing it and trying to, to build my engine. And to me, that would become very, very samey very, very quickly, even with 208 cards. One thing I did like was that uh, w- was what you just talked about, where you could ditch cards for the money instantly yes. to pay for other cards. That made things clip along faster too, and I was very thankful for that. By the I, way, I would agree with that. As opposed to the base game, don't you have to pay money to get cards yeah. or something? Yeah. yeah. Can you? That's I can't your, remember if you can ditch them for. No, I've no, literally no. not yeah, played Terraforming Mars. You have to pay to keep years, them. But, yeah, yes. that's your mega credits, okay. and so that can that slows things down because you always have to have enough money to keep projects in your hand. It's but like, I mean, they do have different corporations, sure. which will give you you know a slight different direction and a discount in doing things. But in terms of variability and setup, it's really the same game every time. You're just trying yeah. to get an engine going faster and more efficiently than your opponents. So I would I would actually agree, variability is low. What about theme? Do we talk about theme? We don't podcast? usually because Clef does not like that. But uh, what are you talking about? I love theme. I remember. I remember when you, you did Maracaibo. Some- that was such a good one. <laughs> captain, Captain. <laughs> it was so good, so good. Uh, I'm gonna go back and listen to that episode. That's, I a think good that's, that's the good only one I've ever listened to. It's so it my favorite episode. Um, oh my god, it was so good that episode. I, I will say this real quick about theme. As a general statement, I am not a theme-driven board gamer, and I think most of my game groups were not necessarily theme-driven. Uh, but I do think that theme is a very important aspect to board games. Um, obviously, it's eye candy on the shelf. You see something about terraforming Mars, you want to know what it is. It's space exploration. You don't really know. You need something to draw people into the game. Once I'm playing the game, once I've spent the money, once I've learned the rules, I I don't feel like I'm terraforming Mars. And I do this with a lot of my games. I don't feel like I'm doing whatever the theme is. It's certainly abstracted but you have to have a theme that draws people in and i think that obviously this has been tried and tested theme because obviously it's their their most expensive game but i think you have to have a theme that makes sense to me terraforming mars it's a setting yeah that's all it is it's you know hey we're gonna put this here you don't feel i mean literally i mean what you're flipping over ocean tiles or whatever i mean you're not now I'm not huge necessarily thematic wise either, but more if it's like more of a a history based thing, you know, like something like Liberty or Death or something, there's certainly you have that feel of, 
oh, you know, I've got George Washington, we're going to do this, and, you know, i got to stop the, the British from doing this or whatever type of thing, even since I may not, while I'm taking an action, think, oh, this is very thematic, I'm, I'm doing this thing. But I feel like that's more of a theme and like a like a coin game or, you know, something, you know, Seki Kahara, something like that, as opposed to this game where you're literally just, oh, I'm a corporation, but I'm really just looking for how I can boost up my engine as quick as possible. It, it, I agree, but it does help to have a, a chart that says, I'm trying to increase the temperature. I think we can visualize that and say, okay, Mars needs to be warmer or we need to increase the oxygen. You can at least see that and understand, oh, okay, that's what I'm doing in this game. If you were playing Catan and you just had five different colored resources, it would be less, it, it wouldn't make as clear sense as to say, I need sheep and wood and brick and clay and wheat. And we play so many games though, where we just call them by their color. Yeah. Like where we don't know what the, the mm, like. Chad, can you help me out here? Anacrony. <laughs> what do you want? What are, what? <laughs> <laughs> like anachrony. What are the resources? Who cares? I don't have. Give a me a blue cube. Yep. Give me a purple cube. I don't care. Here's the thing. I think actually, I mean, if we're gonna go talk about tableau builders, I think Wingspan does theme uh, with mechanisms better than this game does. Okay. I just and really. I'll yeah, I think your birds, uh, what the well, birds I could do, care actually, less. You, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, mean, I think it does. I, I know that, but I'm. The theme I'm is that you're you're catching these birds catching and putting them birds in the right into your preserve. Yeah, into your preserve. Okay, you're yeah. enticing them to your preserve. It's I just right there. sure we're not killing them somehow. That will really <laughs> I mean, that will bug there is Chad. A bird you're, you're, clipping, <laughs> you're definitely clipping, clipping their, their wings, wings so they know, can't so get like, out. You're hoarding their eggs. I don't understand the hoarding of the eggs. Yeah, you're literally stealing their eggs. No, you're ensuring their. You're trading their eggs with other. <laughs> no, you're you're clipping their wings. You're you're basically putting them in a zoo. Jeez, you're awful. <laughs> you guys are awful people. What was that other game that you ruined for them? Oh, La Isla, where La you're Isla. bashing in the heads you of photos. No wonder Nox and Isla have nightmares. <laughs> I'll, we'll end on this for theme. I just think whenever any one of us, and I have seen all three of you teach me board games, you guys start by telling me. The setting or the theme. Agreed. No, but I mean, Clef and I just yeah. You have done that before. <laughs> I tell you. You have done that before. Victory points is how you win. The most victory no. points is how you win. That's how I start. I agree with you all here. Teachers. I will back you even, up. Even if it's a sentence. I mean, if you Chad tell is me there, I will on. do it, but it's as a joke. Like, if, we're just doing <laughs> just to. If I was teaching you brass right now, you think I'd start off and be like, hey, this is 1842. Yeah, you say ought to because uh, it helps people learn. Oh, my Get out of here. Richie, we're just I'm with we're, you. We're, yeah. we're anyway, either way, the theme. I like is, the, the theme is pasted on in this. Is that what you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like the setting. It is a setting, setting, and that's all there yes. is. To okay. okay. Well, I think we should. I think we've we're discussed done? it. Yeah, I think we should give our final uh, ratings. Here. Yeah, because I think we talked player count enough yeah, yeah, in the discussion. I, 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 that I think we're all you. good. That's the only thing we were kind of missed. So, yeah, let's uh, let's start it off. Richie is going to. Start us off. Yeah, Richie's yeah, going. I'll, I'll go last. Richie's going to tell I, I, us. I want to hear what you guys end on a positive. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. So at Punchboard Paradise, we rate on a six-point scale, with a one being a game that makes you miserable, and a six being a game that could be in your top ten of all time. Uh, I'll start. Yeah, I think either me or Clef could start. We'll start low. We'll go up. 
Well, hopefully. So. Yeah. yeah. One of my first questions uh, here recently was, or when I got here today, was, do you think I could return this to Target? I got the receipt. I'm still within the return period. <laughs> I think it's a little shady, but I say go for it. <laughs> See what happens. I, I will tell you, I had a bunch of Mountain Dews when I played your copy, and I was feeling really hungry. <laughs> the cards were salty. and so. <laughs> well, I'm just going to take it back and say, look, there's two marks on this. I, I don't <laughs> yeah, know what happened to I this. I would be so. definitely returning that thing. I got to yeah. take this back. Um, I wanted to like this game because I've always wanted to like Terraforming Mars because I like the setting. I like the idea of terraforming on a planet. You just don't get that in board games. You just don't get that theme really in board games. And this just, it made the game shorter, which is the biggest positive, is that it made terraforming Mars shorter. But it's not as good as Roll, for the, Roll or Race for the Galaxy. Uh, and it's also not short enough to really justify owning it or ever playing it. I would just play Race or Roll for the Galaxy if I want a quick kind of random engine builder. And then I'll just never play Terraforming Mars because I, I, this just settled it. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. So uh, I wasn't miserable, though, in my play. So I, I'm not going to give it a one, but I am coming in at a two. Okay. And what does a two actually mean on the... On the um, I never want to play it. I would always suggest something else if someone brings it up. You're actively um, avoiding I would, it. I would actively avoid it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's mine too. All right. Clef. So uh, echo a lot of things that you said. Um, it, for me, the biggest issue with this game for me is I don't care what the other players are doing. I'm playing my own little private game. And I don't want to say that that is not exciting to me, but I just, Oh, okay, cool. I'm going, I'm going, I just, it's, it's okay. I'm just doing this little engine and I'm not interacting or no one's, you know, Oh boy, if I don't get to that thing before Chad does, then I'm screwed. No, I'm just doing my own thing. And that's, that's the thing that honestly I didn't like about terraforming Mars also is, and even since, and that has a lot more interaction because you do have the attack cards and you have the planet where you do try to get to certain spots or whatever. Um, that is where, and now, Building like that type of tableau is also not necessarily one of my favorite necessarily mechanisms in board games. So that, you know, caveat there. But uh, make a long story short, this is just not my type of game. Um, it's it's going to be a two for me also. I think, once again, probably for people who love Terraforming Mars, like Tableau Builders, um, I think that it's, it's a solid game on that sense. But for me, I'm not. It's just not a game for me. I don't want to play it. If somebody said, hey, do you want to play this? I would actively say, hey, can we play something else like like Root or something like that? Wow. <laughs> really? <Whoa. laughs> Are you serious right now? Climbing up. Okay. Climbing up. <laughs> I just like to tease you guys about it. Yeah, I'm teased. <laughs> Fully teased. All right. So, Chad, on to you. So, I hear what y'all are saying. I, I, I'm not going to seek this game out, but if somebody suggests it, I would play it again as long as it's not two player. I'm not going to play two player again. Maybe if we did something that like Dan suggested a dummy thing, but I, I I'd much rather play um, other games. I'd much rather play race for the galaxy at two. Uh, I would, I would actually, so here's the thing we we've talked about this and we've reviewed it before. Um, one thing 
My, I think my favorite thing about wingspan is your action cubes and how every round you place one on the scoring condition. So your action cubes get less and less and less. So as your engine ramps up, your turn doesn't go on longer and longer and longer and longer and longer. I just, I'm really annoyed that they had the chance to, to address this and they didn't. Um, so Anyway, the, the bottom line is th this gets a three from me. If somebody really wanted to play it at more than two players, I'd play it. But uh, and, it, and to me, it's not a bad game. I'm glad it exists for those people that want to build uh, tableaus and that they, uh, they can get it at Target. I really am, am happy for that aspect because I think it will bring more people into the hobby. Uh, but I don't, I, I don't really want to seek it out. And uh, so I give it a three. Dan, bring us home. Richie, you're right, and we've all kind of agreed. Race or roll for the galaxy it is the superior version of this type of mechanism. Uh, I, I wanted to like this game a lot more. And in fact, when I got it, I was really, really excited about it. But it has cooled fairly quickly for me. And I think two or three things that have really, really made me look at this in more of a negative light. One, the game is... The game has the ability where it could be a longer game. And the one thing that I thought this game was supposed to do is to make terraforming Mars shorter. So then I kept asking myself, why am I not playing the big base game? You know, and actually, since this game has come out, we've had a chance to play the big base game. And in my mind, that is terraforming Mars. So this is a lesser version, but then it's creeping on being the same thing. And now that I start thinking, well, are obviously going to add expansions. Are they going to add boards to it and new mechanisms? It's effectively going to become the same game in a same amount of time, but you're still missing aspects. So I just, I feel like it's detracting to that game. I love the simultaneous play. I love the fact that they are trying to branch to a different audience, but I don't know if I'm that audience. I think that if, if you own the base Terraforming Mars and you enjoy that game, I don't know where this fits into your collection. I think if you are just a collector, then you can certainly buy it. But I don't think that this fills some sort of niche in your collection that can't already be achieved by either A, Race or Roll for the Galaxy, and then B, base Terraforming Mars. So uh, I am actually going to come in at a three as well. Uh, I, I enjoy the game. Uh, I'm not going to pull it out as often as I thought I would, but I'm certainly willing to play it and teach it. Uh, I just have a lot of other games that I think do what this game does better. And uh, it's just a game that I think uh, as we go through in time, I think this is going to be looked at less uh, positively than the base game. So unfortunately I'm coming in at a three. So that was a two for Richie, a two for me and a three for, Dan and Chad. There you have it, Punch Bunch. And hey, this uh, Punch Bunch, this is more for uh, local people. But if you are interested in getting to uh, see us and talk to us and maybe get to play a game, we are going to all be at the Great Plains Game Festival in Lincoln, Nebraska. On August 13th, 14th, and 15th is the con. I believe we're all going to be there for sure on the Saturday, on the, mm -hmm. on the 14th. Uh, so... This is a great local con. They do a great job. It's a, uh, it, uh, the, how, what is that? That's the Exarbon something. The, I don't know. It's big. It's beautiful. 
They got great vendors. They have a great library there. This is a really, really solid local con. So if you're interested, um, you can definitely go to their website and check that out. Our Family Plays Games is going to be there. We're hoping to hang out with them. I guess they have, uh, as a guest, um, Stephen... Bonacore for formerly of Stronghold Games is go. maybe going to make an appearance. Wow, so. there you go. So please come on out, and we would love to talk to all of you. Uh, any punch bunch, and like I said, uh, we we already made a promise. We're not playing any games with each other. That's right. Chad's going to play an eighteen XX game for the entire day, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll play something else. We'll play something. You know, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. But anyways, come out and see us, and uh, you know, and uh, come out and enjoy the great festivities of Great Plains Game Festival. Hey, Punch Bunch, are you tired of having all your resources and chits all over the table? Well, do I have a solution for you? Magnetic hex trays from 3D Bitspace. They will keep your table organized and be a huge space saver. So head on over to 3D Bitspace at Etsy.com and order yours today. And if you mention Punchboard Paradise, you're going to get a free hex tray. guys now is the time for the inaugural game court <laughs> I was waiting for dramatic pause there <laughs> richie probably edited yeah, it out yeah, so it's not like, quite as much of a pause as i try to give it i'll leave it in this time all right, all right, all right thank all right. you all right no so i won the draft last draft mm -hmm. okay we're not going to talk about the most recent draft i'll tell you this Boy, you pick two Lacertas and our punch punch, I know. you're going to cream us. Chad right? has, so. he, he has an advantage that he likes Lacertas. Yes, exactly. Where we, yep, because yeah. most of the punch punch. People talked about Lacertas. Imperial Struggle Because I tell well. you what. Uh, you won from the two Lacertas. From Lacerta the two Lacertas. Yeah, 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 you, you definitely know. didn't win from Jump Drive. That's so, not for sure. <laughs> I almost, when I was filling out the thing, I almost put Jump Drive and I almost put in parentheses, Whatever game that is. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody won from Jay, by the way. So. No, that, that that is true. So, Chad, you obviously got to start thinking about your sure. game court, but yep. right now it's mine. All right. You guys are in the hot seat. Sorry, Dan, you're just, yeah, but hey, you can be my co-judge. I'll be the jury. So, <laughs> but you don't get a render of her. Can, wait, no, no, right. can I be the court stenographer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have a very neat handwriting, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. I'll tell my mother you I mean, said that's that. attractive, actually. <laughs> wow. I know. Well, okay, moving <laughs> on, people. <laughs> game court is in session, so here we go. So, Chad has Agricola and Richie has Caverna. So, uh, Chad, you have a two minute uh, on your game, and then Richie, you got two minutes on yours, and then you each have a one minute rebuttal. Oh, wow. And then <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I don't care how long you take. I, was about to say, I, I don't know if I was prepared <laughs> wow, to talk for two minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, start us off. Why is Agricola the better game? Why should you keep that one in your collection? Because we like tension. We talk about it all the time. We like tightness in our games. And Agricola pr provides that tightness. Richie, I'm sure, is going to talk to you about how it is like work for him. He doesn't like it. It's tight. It's, you know. Uh, but a lot of the games that Richie usually likes have that tension, that constriction, that, that toughness where you're eking out just the littlest bit and you feel like oh i wanted to do so much this round and all i can do is just feed my people which is an ancillary thing that i'm supposed to be doing anyway uh it is it is incredibly uh restrictive and those cards i mean they're still putting out new decks for this game of cards because 
that is the most beautiful thing about Agricola. Yes, there's the worker placement, but the cards are what you have to fit in every time and see how you can synergize those together. I, I mostly like it to draft them. But then Cole uh, Worley, who was on our podcast, talked about that super, super tough variant where he would put he would put uh, stuff out into the middle and you would have to achieve that before and snatch it from people. So, I mean, though that the 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 occupations and stuff could be taken from each other. So you could try to plan. And that is an even more beautiful variant. I would also posit that this is probably the most play-tested game that Uwe has, has designed. I think he spent the most time on it of all his games uh, with the hours and hours of play-testing that he has put in. So... I just think that this is the superior game. Caverna is for somebody who wants something different, and that's fine. That's fine, but Agricola is the superior game. Okay. First off, I want it's well, stricken from the record about the playtest. He has zero clue about that. He's just making that up. No, that's not true. Where are your sources? I will. I will Give cite your those. Source. All right, you you go ahead and talk about what you can right, talk about, source. and I'll get a source. All right. Okay. Good point. All right. <laughs> we'll come back to that. All right, Richie. Wait, and yes, I do. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 sidebar real quick. Is Feast for Odin not nothing we talk about? Okay, we'll talk about that later. All right. Okay, so, <laughs> go ahead, Richie. Sorry. All right. Uh, Caverna. It's uh, there's nothing beautiful about Agricola. It's farming in the Middle Ages, which is terrible. Who wanted to be alive during the Middle Ages? No one. Why are you talking about theme right now? <laughs> because at least in Caverna, it's a fantasy theme. It's a weak fantasy theme, but it opened the door for the expansion, which the which is mainly fan created, that expanded that. At least we, we have some orcs. We have some... It, it's not just, hey, go die in a field. And that's what Agricola is. Now, as far as the... Yes, there there's a lot of buildings out there. I understand that, and it's perfect information, and it is, it's a game that has a lot of strategic depth, whereas with Agricola, you're just going to get a random hand of cards, and sometimes those cards are going to be good, sometimes they're not. It, some people have fun with playing, with trying to figure out their deck of cards, but no matter what, everyone's doing the same thing. You have to get all the animals. You have to do everything in order to score a, to have a decent score. But in Caverna, if you want to be the king of the donkeys, you can be the king of the donkeys. That's by the way, that's what they used to call me in high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, carry on, go on. <laughs> but there's much more. Close your robe. <laughs> there's more paths to victory in Caverna, and it offers a, like I said, a a more uh, a, a greater depth of strategy, especially when you're playing with those higher player counts, uh, which this does go up to seven. Which I'll be honest, that might be a that might be a knock against Caverna, <laughs> but you can play at seven. But I will say that the randomness of the card deck in Agricola, for me, hurts a little bit. I like games like Food Chain Magnate, where as you play it, you're going to get better in the game. And even though there are certain paths to, to victory, obviously the way that everyone else plays at the table is going to affect that. And it will make you think on your feet and play better and do something else that will get you the victory. If we're, talking about, if, if we're talking about interaction and how much we value interaction, isn't it better to be working towards the same goals? Isn't it more interesting to be trying to do the same things? Isn't that more interesting for, for, uh, for us to all be trying to get farm animals that, rather than for, for Clef to be the adventuring dwarf and for, for Richie to be king of the donkeys? I mean, I, I think that us, 
us working on the same things provides more time to butt heads. That is why there's all these forums on here about what happens when this player grabs the wood? Where am I supposed to go next? Where, why am I, why can't I get stone? Uh, this has to be, you know, what, what's the problem here? There's way more of that because in Caverna, he has to actually say in the rule book, make sure that somebody doesn't go down this path by themselves because if they do, they will win. You know, you, you, you don't have that interaction. People can be left to themselves in Converna. And for me, I'd rather have the interaction. I want to play head to head. And if you're playing with those cards, you, there, there are finite decks that you can play with. You know, you can play with the easy deck, the interactive deck, uh, those kinds of things, and you will know the cards and you can draft them. And so, you know, you will, there, there's player interaction there too, before you even start the game. So in my mind, I think that that, again, makes it superior. Also, I think it's telling that people cried out and cried out for years for Rosenberg to make more tiles for them, you know, for there to be more variants in Caverna. And he kind of just said, oh, this fan made something. Ah, here you go. This fan, here's, a, here's an expansion from a fan. Yeah, I don't really even like this game, but I got some more cards for Agricola. So, you know, Ooh, I, I think that Richie, uh, that's a pretty good. I, well, right I think there. it also says something that Caverna is ranked higher amongst the fans of games Ooh. on the BGG. Top oh, right. Because Gloomhaven, you you really think Gloomhaven's a great game and that's number one. So I do think yeah. Gloomhaven is a good game. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you I talk do, about actually. how great that is. Okay. Okay. Hey, 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 but last time Chad. I checked, we're it's talking about remote. Caverna <laughs> and Agricola. So what happens if you don't draft? Is that an actual variant in the rule book? Yes. All right. Yep. Well, it's still a variant. Anyways, you see, <laughs> yes. <laughs> because if you just get a bad flop of cards, you got a bad flop of cards. And now you are in, especially if you're a newer player, you're behind the eight ball at the very beginning of the game and you did nothing to put yourself there. You just got dealt a bad hand. You mm -hmm. just did. Now, with the, uh, like I said, the, the base game of Caverna by itself is better than Agricola. But when you throw in the expansion, you have the different player powers, which also some of them come with negatives. And then on top of it, they will change up that building display. For experienced players, for me, I just feel like there is more to explore in Caverna than there is in Agricola. Because no matter what, even though, you, like you said, you, you're going to get a different hand of cards, you still have to get the same stuff done. You still have that checklist that you have to go through and you have to get all the animal types, you have to do all this. So the game itself will end up being the exact same feel because you have to do the same thing. You're going to do it a little different way, of course, but it's just like with Terraforming Mars. The cards are are going to allow you to accomplish the exact same checklist that you're going through. Experienced players will tell you you do not have to you do not have to do all those things. You just have to make up for the minus points you're going to get. So you can do something really really well and still take minus points in another area that you didn't do. That kind of sounds like Caverna. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. This is interesting. Okay. Can we have okay. a sidebar? Sidebar. Yeah. Real quick. sidebar. Okay. So and the, the whole Feast for Odin thing, do we not? That's not even on the table. Stop. Okay. Sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> so here's, okay. So a couple of things are, so Chad talked very well about the fact that Agricola is, is tight. It I, is I, a very, that was a very. Good point. That was yes, a good point. I would agree. I mean, it's. It's a struggle, and I like that in games. I yes. don't like games where it's just like do whatever you want. Type of I thing, agree. Right? I agree. That was okay. a good point. So, uh, I will say, though, 
Richie mentioned Terraforming Mars, and I really like that game. And I really don't. That was a bad <laughs> okay, thing. To, okay. But he was saying that the Terraforming Mars was comparable to Agricola. Uh-huh. So that's a point for Richie there. Okay. 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 Um, I'll also say it's it's, and you can have a little little jump in here. I would also kind of compare. It, I'd also kind of compare it to Yorvik that we played the other the other day, where you just didn't get enough coin to do anything in the game, so you really didn't have that much fun. Because you could not do anything. I, I, okay, first of all, is where is... Is order in this where, court? Yeah, exactly. What's going on here? I know. I was order like, in the court. <laughs> I want to know. I, I, I just want one question. I'm trying to mention games that Clough doesn't like. <laughs> one question from the defense here. I uh, mind your uh, one, one question here. Uh, when was the last time you played Agricola? Uh, not that long ago. I had the app. Okay. All right. Can, can, we, can we finish? Can we finish? <laughs> okay, I'll finish. Can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> Um, so like I said, so Richie had some good points about the fact that you kind of in Caverna, you get to have a little bit more fun. You can do whatever you kind of want to, and you're not pigeonholed into, oh, I got to really work hard at feeding my people every but single time. And, and also fun. with the so? expansions, he talked about how it gives you a direction to go. I agree. But Richie had to bring up expansions pretty fast in his uh, first example. What would you call expansion decks? That's true. Chad did, did have to bring up the expansion decks too. But I think Chad was more saying that the longevity of Agricola has brought those decks on. The original base game still was played for a long time before any of those came out. Uh, so, so that's, you know, I see where Chad was going. Where Richie had to bring in the, the expansion kind what of fast. What about the fact that the general consensus votes Caverna higher? Does that take into account at all what you think? Uh no, I'm, I'm going to be impartial of the rest of the, 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 you know, I mean, if I'm doing a murder trial, I'm not going to say, well, everybody thinks this person's guilty, right? His shelf actually okay. speaks for him as well. Okay. Oh. No one sees you pointing. I am. However, when, when's the last the time you played show, Agricola? He was pointing so, at Agricola. Yes, he was pointing at Agricola. Uh, I played Agricola probably twice this year so far. Okay. Uh, Brent brought it and we played it that one time and then my wife really enjoyed it. And should we play a two-player game of it? All right. So okay. So um, I haven't played Caverna since your leg was broken. So yep, yep. Okay. That's <laughs> so a bad that's the next time we'll play it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, are you? I am ready. Judge, are you ready? I to am make ready your to give a verdict. Now, I am going to try. I am going to be in. Imp- as much as I can be impartial on wait, this. Wait, wait. Okay. I decided I want to be the court jester. <laughs> <laughs> Just sorry. Go on. <laughs> Carry on. All right. Do you ever see Night Court? Oh yeah. Oh, you yeah. know the tall bull. bailiff. Yeah, bull, you could yeah. be bull. bull. Yeah. yeah. No. You'd make a good bull. You think so? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All cool. right, I'll be bull. Okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna try to be as impartial as I can be in this and just give who I thought gave the better overall argument of why the game is better. Okay. And I'm voting for Chad. The Chad gave a better argument. Down. I need. He gave a better argument. Get him, bull. Get him, bull. I can do a magic trick for you. <laughs> I have the little dingly balls on the corner of my hat. I, <laughs> uh, with the exception of Chad not having a, a, a source for his. Uh, uh, he never did come through with that source. You know, just, uh, play sorry, testing. I couldn't find that it. Out I, I, know, I know that that I've heard that it doesn't that exist. has the most play tests. But anyway, all right. It's, it's also his old. One my of his verdict is going to be for Chad. 
All right. right we got to get the, the gavel. We've got to yeah, get, get a gavel. Yeah. Oh, a squeaky from gavel. The, uh, from the, uh, what is that? Uh, modern art. Modern art, yeah. yeah. Modern <laughs> art squeaky gavel. All right. Well, well, there we go. There is the first. The if inaugural. Yeah. What do we call it? I don't remember. Board court. <laughs> Board court. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, you got to come up with. Uh, I mean, so, you don't have to do it right now. But no, gotta, but yeah. For the, I will. For the next time. Probably, probably, why, probably yeah. why you shouldn't threaten to take people's board games away. Maybe that's, that's going to happen for Chad. Richie's been threatening him. I'm feeling good. <laughs> All right. So uh, Richie's going to get like terraforming Mars and I'm going to get great Western trail. <laughs> Boom. Well, who won, who won second? Cause I won first, uh, in this la- latest draft of, I yeah, I'll, pull, I'll pull up the percentages. Yeah. I'll pull up the percentages. Yeah. Richie and I are both. Were yeah, we got, pretty we bad. got just slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> It was a bloodbath. But yeah, I mean, you get Kanban and Lisboa. It's, yeah, yeah. They're great yeah. games. It has nothing to do with Lacerda. It's great games. I mean, it does have to do with Lacerda games. Yeah. But, yeah. but it, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Our, our, the Punch Punch likes it. All right. Yeah. So uh, let's see here. All right. Chad came in first with 59.2% of the vote. Ooh, good job, buddy. Uh, and then you. Clef, both of me and you were tied at 20.4%. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Bring take a tie. Yeah. tie. There you go. <laughs> the letters, you're doing the letters. On this. Yeah, that's yeah. the letters. Yeah, yeah. So. Yep. that's fun. Do you have a favorite J game? That's the hardest that's one. The hard Dan, letter. do you have a favorite J game? Oh, man. Put me on the spot. Uh, well, would you like to hear our three? Yeah, and I'll pick the best one of those. So three. Chad had Jump Drive. For the thing you put in your computer? <laughs> yeah. I Not had, as useful. I had Journey to the Center of the Earth. Wow. Uh, And I had junk art, the dexterity game. Wow. (laughs) Guys, it's been great being on the show. I should probably get going. Now, someone did mention, I think, in Slack, uh, they brought up Jamaica. I forgot about Jamaica, but I don't really like Jamaica all that much. My my alternate was going to be just one. So, Jaipur, I think, would have been my. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. Jay's rough. It's real tough. You, you would have picked Jorvik? Yeah, Jorvik. (laughs) I don't know. Does that really count, though? Because the original game is not. I mean, yeah. that's just a straight reprint is, of the is, original. You're right. It is pretty darn close. They rethemed it, is all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People start making some better J games. Yes. <laughs> Come, on. <laughs> Come on. I really like Jagricla. All right. Oh, I think that's it. Yeah, all it right. is. It is. Hey, thanks for the good time, Punch yeah. Punch. Hopefully Dan. this was informative and and I think Dan I guess he classed it up. I mean, it, he, you know, he, up, he yeah. really was here for the critical component of yeah. the review, right? Uh, so he had some critical yeah. thinking. He has notes. Yeah, he did take, <laughs> take really neat notes. I think he's more prepared than we are yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I'm currently on a podcast. <laughs> as, as we've previously discussed. Yes. Well, thank you for classing up the joint. Punch bunch. Hey, Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Hey, everybody. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Good night. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Punchboarders. We are on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise and Facebook at Punchboard Paradise. Uh, well, first, we have a, a couple of announcements. First, we should talk about what it feels like when your pieces are all over the, the table and you're kind of a, a <laughs> to, your, to your games.
<laughs> First, we should talk about what it what it has to go in the episode. Oh my! This is what it feels like when you have your bits all over the table and you <laughs> to other companies. <laughs> I don't know. All right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to insert the commercials. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we don't need a segue for that. <laughs>